1: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
2: Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Rohan Nadkani, joined as always by my colleague, my friend, and Sports Illustrated senior writer, as well as author of the book Blood in the Garden. I've heard if you somehow missed out on giving a loved one a Christmas gift, nothing would make them happier than to wake up tomorrow and see a copy of Of blood in the garden chris herring is on the show chris how's it going
3: i'm good and not to poke holes in in my sales numbers but i don't necessarily think what you said is true um (laughs) but i do appreciate the plug sir uh i've been good this week how have you been
2: i'm good man i you know i asked you what you were getting me for christmas because i saw that you were making the push and you were like how about you go grab yourself another copy of blood in the garden and i was like my my dog i have two copies um you know maybe you could get me something else this year um so just waiting on that dude just kind of you know
3: i have chris has no response to what you just said (laughs) whatsoever you made all of that up completely (laughs) <laughs> I just so that I, the pod knows maybe they do. apparently a pod doesn't know what we make up and what we're what we're serious about so i'm just gonna put that disclaimer out there
2: i think i sent you a tweet you were tweeting about it and i was like yo man were you getting me for christmas um
3: <laughs> oh word actually yeah, yeah, i think yeah, this yeah. did happen never mind yeah, yeah. this is this is 100 true chris just has a terrible memory yeah. also oh. i referred to myself in the third person yeah, twice right. in the first 10 seconds of the pod
2: bro Real quick, remember a few a couple weeks ago when we did the pod, and I told you how I watched Man on Fire, and it yes. turns out it was one week after John Creasy's fictitious
3: fictional death. <laughs> I forgot so, about that.
2: Yeah. So, I my my friend had never watched it, and I was like, "Yo, I'll always watch Man on Fire." So we watched it two days ago on January fourth, and that date is important because that is John Creasy's fictitious birthday. Too, as, <laughs> as, as they describe, wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. at the end of the movie. Shout out to Man on Fire. Um, yeah, we're gonna have gotta to be the
3: podcast it. shouting out Man on Fire the most. We have to, yeah. Be. We gotta just do
2: a whole episode about it one of
3: these days. Yo, uh, shout we'll out though, as you as you bring that up, um, I. Somehow, and I, I like I don't think I go around thumping my chest about who I am. I don't think I'm a successful enough person to do that. But um, I live in an apartment, and there's you know someone that uh, collects the packages at the front and kind of you know security, if you'd want to call them that, as far as a door person. And you know they're they're around and know generally speaking what we do. And I remember them being here the day that my books got delivered, where authors get you know first look at their their books. They send a big package of them. And I think I had told the door person they were coming that day. So they they know who I am. I signed a book out or two to them, which was really cool. Um, But somehow, uh, I don't know if they've told other people or just people throughout the building just have walked past as I've been having conversations with the door people. One of the people that lives down the hall from me is a movie critic. And I think he either overheard me say or I think one day we're on the elevator. And he asked how I was doing or what I was up to. And I was like, Yeah, I'm good. I'm about to move to New York. And he went out of his way to tell me, He's like, well, I'm, you know, I've never said anything, never even really spoken to you before, but I'm a big fan of your work. I listen to your podcast. Um, and I want to, you know, I'd love to like get lunch or something before you take off. And I was like, Well, who, you know, like you've known who I am this whole time. Like, who, who are you? Like, what's your story? And he mentioned that he was a movie critic. And it was so funny because I think that. I I secretly have this thought that I think most reporters would like most sports reporters would love to like write about food or write about movies. And I Mm -hmm. think most people that write about movies would like love to write about sports. Uh, So it's interesting. So I'm going to try to get lunch with him before I take off. But I'm going to now have to ask his opinion on Man on Fire Um, or look and see if maybe he's podcasted about Man on Fire. We're not the only one.
2: My takeaway from that story was that he called it your podcast.
3: Oh, good <laughs> lord. Let's let's move right along. I'm up, I'm about to make this my podcast, but moving right to the next subject, with or without you. Good
2: lord. That's cool as hell, man. No, no, no. Come on. That's cool as hell. That's awesome. Shout out to your neighbor, man. It's always... Uh... His name's Josh. Shout out to Josh. It's always... Uh... I know that there are people who listen to this podcast, but to me, it's always wild when someone's like, I listen to the podcast, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe you are... Wasting your time listening to me talk about basketball. So I
3: always have that thought whatever yeah. anyone tells me that they love listening to a podcast I've been on. I'm like, that's not weird, but kind of. You know, it's 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 very and it's really humbling too, like the book side of that. Like mm-hmm. I've been overwhelmed by that part. It's like, why would anybody go out of their way to support this? But uh shout out to you all, especially as we start this new year. Thank you guys. It's
2: very cool, man. It's very cool. Uh let's dive into it, Chris. Let's get into the basketball, as the kids are calling it. Um, you know, I was so excited. Last night, we got our first Thursday TNT doubleheader of the season. Thursday night's finally NBA's night again. You know, I'm telling my friend, who's not really a huge basketball fan, I'm just telling him all the great inside the NBA jokes and, you know, getting him prepped for the best show on TV. And we get two dud basketball games. Uh, the Celtics looking like the Celtics again, shutting down Luka Doncic and the Mavs. And then we have the the Nuggets just walloping the Clippers. And I'm not even surprised to see teams take 25 point, 30 point leads anymore. Yeah. There's like, there's no such, this is such a cliche, so I'll avoid saying it, but there are big leads in a lot of NBA games, and by the fourth quarter, I expect the team that was down big to have a chance. They don't always come back, but right. usually even if you have a twenty five point lead, I don't think like people are like the twenty five point lead has been a race. That just is what the NBA is now.
3: Dallas and Boston last night felt like it might be that for yeah. a quick second, you know, where mm-hmm. they had it down to I mean it still wasn't close, but it was like what down to fifteen, down to twelve, right. whatever it was. And
2: and once it's fifteen, it's like that's a game. 15 is a close game in the NBA now. Mm -hmm. Nuggets-Clippers was not that. (laughs) It never got close. (laughs) Um, The Nuggets raced out to this huge lead and just never relinquished it, ended up winning big. And it was a notable game because both teams had their starting fives. You know, there were some injuries. Jeff Green, not out there for the Nuggets. Nicholas Batum, among those, not out there for the Clippers. So not full rosters, but full starting fives, which is a novelty in today's NBA And I thought it was interesting. I just read you this quote before the game, before the podcast. But Kawhi Leonard saying after the game last night, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, essentially, Ty Lue benched the starters after the first half. That's how much the Clippers were losing by. It was an over thirty point lead for the Nuggets. The starters don't even come out for the third half, second half for the Clippers. And Kawhi Leonard says, you know, I, I wish we would give ourselves a chance to dig out of these big leads instead of just flipping the page and turning to the next game I thought that was an interesting quote Kawhi not necessarily known for putting a lot of importance on the regular season who knows Um, did that you know we talked a lot about Western Conference contenders etc last week so did that game change your opinion about either team change your opinion about anything in the West and and what do you kind of make Kawhi's quote there
3: Not, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I'm not someone that necessarily goes out of my way to watch Thursday night games on TNT specifically. If there's a matchup I really want to see. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I might not be watching it start to finish the way that I was Mm -hmm. planning to do yesterday and kind of did yesterday. Um, so I thought it was interesting. A couple things. One that they interviewed, uh, they interviewed Reggie Jackson in the middle of like the, what was that the second quarter? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was like, where's, where's Ty Lue? Like, why are you interviewing him as opposed to Ty Lue. Um, But I thought it was interesting that Stephanie Reddy kind of asked a question about the uh, altitude essentially. And so listening to him answer that, he's like, yo, it always sucks playing here. Um, so there, you know, it's, it's weird playing in Denver The Clippers are probably the weirdest group you could possibly have because they're, you know, they're one foot in, one foot out. Not necessarily in terms of effort, I don't think, but in terms of the collection of guys they have. Uh, So, I mean, all these aspects are are a little bit strange. I think the thing that I was most thrown off by is that the Clippers had some rest coming into this game. It wasn't like they were supposed to be dog-tired because they played three and four or back-to-back or anything like that. They'd had a couple days off, but, you know... And I don't find this often being the case, but I did think it was interesting a little bit that uh, that the TNT crew after the game were kind of giving their opinion on it. Uh, Charles Barkley in particular, he was like, "Yo, it, you know, as much as we like the Clippers and like their collection of players, you do have a group of guys that on any given night, one guy has to be a star as opposed to being a role guy that goes four or five possessions without getting, I don't know, necessarily a touch, but like certainly a shot. Because you've got Paul George and Kawhi out there. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I just think it's something where the team probably is going to need more time to gel. I think the team, based on what we've seen from them and how uh, inconsistent they are as far as the lineups, where I think Stephanie Reddy or someone on the broadcast yesterday said that they have not had the whole team available for a game, which is kind of jarring to hear it out loud, but also makes total sense with what we've watched that it's going to be a team that's more susceptible to kind of having these sorts of games, um, particularly on the road, particularly in an, in an atmosphere where the altitude is that high. So it, it, like you said, my bigger surprise was just that like normally the game gets like you, you kind of turn your head sideways and squint a little bit and it kind of can get close. And this one just did not ever feel that way. And it essentially was like, well, I'm going to stay up and watch inside the nba but aside from that like i'm i don't need to watch this closely anymore um and that was a little bit disappointing but you know i don't take much from it in in terms of contender status uh hell the clippers are still you know despite not having had their guys really uh for a whole game together all of them um are like what one game out in, in their division they're they're right there i mean if they were to go on a run and guys were to stay healthy, it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that they could even uh, compete to win the the conference. I don't think it will happen, but I, I think the West is right there for the taking. And even if it's not in terms of the regular season, I, you know, would I be stunned, absolutely stunned if the Clippers were to win the conference? No, I wouldn't.
2: How do you feel about the Kawhi Leonard experience? He's had one of the kind of the stranger careers and, you know, Obviously, the ACL injury that he had was very bad luck. There's the weird year in San Antonio, the sprained ankle. So, you know, it's hard to hold all of this against him. It's just been a strange career. It's been, I don't know if we, ta- if there's ever been like kind of a finals MVP that gets less discussed. I, and I don't want to get into the who are we talking about conversation again like we did with Joker last year but it's just weird it's like we have this all time great kind of standing right there but no one knows what to make of him well, how have you have you enjoyed his career is Is he a fun player for you to watch or I just find myself frustrated sometimes because sometimes, even this year we've seen the glimpses mm-hmm. of old Kawhi and it's so exciting but it, it's it's kind of exhausting at times for me.
3: Yeah, um, I actually I think he's had one of the more interesting career arcs that I've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think he's fascinating from that. standpoint. I, I enjoy watching him. I don't think he's the most aesthetically pleasing player all the time. But I also think that when we say that we're not thinking about the defensive side of the basketball mm-hmm. where he is really or at least has been i don't think it's been quite as much this year but like a marvel to watch um i i I love the fact that he was someone that because he joined a winning program a winning team to start his career that he wasn't really relied upon to to do it all for his team Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like that classic would you rather start your quarterback straight out of college or would you rather let them kind of maybe not ride the bench but kind of get them spot duty Here and there in their first couple seasons and then turn them loose by season three, season four. Aaron Rodgers, uh, not season three or season four, but like Aaron Rodgers is a really good example of that. Um, You know, we've seen guys. Uh, Tom Brady is someone that didn't get to play um, right away, certainly. And so um, Kawhi not only did I've talked to someone like Danny Green about that where Kawhi was you know, was basically just turned loose defensively because he didn't have to do all that much offensively, but slowly but surely developed his offensive game. Like you said, won a finals MVP before, I would say, the average person really knew who he was um, outside of, like, basketball heads. And then slowly but surely, as as everybody else was starting to kind of age out and phase out in San Antonio, became a superstar. And it felt like that happened really, really, really quickly. Like I can still remember that season where he was an MVP candidate for the first mm-hmm. time and him just taking over games. It was like, who the hell is this? Like a guy that just willed himself to being an ISO score um, on top of being maybe the most feared wing defender in the league with, with hands the size of Canada. So it was it was pretty jarring to watch that, but it was also kind of amazing to watch. Um, it's, it's not common that you see someone that goes from being a role player to being a superstar. And granted, he was young enough to where that leap was still feasible, but it wasn't expected. Um, So I really enjoyed his career from that standpoint. Then, even from the superstardom that he had, I never expected that the Raptors would then win a championship with him being the best guy. Um, So he did that. Granted, uh, Golden State was was banged up, but he did that. More than banged up. Uh, And you know, and then You know, I'd skipped over all the stuff that happened at the end of a San Antonio run where maybe they win another championship if he doesn't get hurt. Um, So I think that's been the challenge of how to like where to put him, where to place him. We have that kind of internal battle in terms of where he belongs in the NBA rank and everything else because he just hasn't played much. But then there's the stat that they showed on TNT last night that he literally has the highest winning percentage of all time in regular season Uh, you know, that obviously is a huge difference maker when he's out there has maybe swung a championship by not being out there at times. Um, So I've really enjoyed him. I I understand that he's maybe a difficult person to place as far as that, as far as maybe the curiosity about him and how little we know about him, you know, whether he's the most uh, what's the word I would use, like fuzzy sort of player, as far as um, you know, someone that people really, really get excited to talk about or, or, you know, he's not like a very emotive player at all. So I I think he is kind of an enigma from that standpoint too. Uh, There may be reasons for that. If you kind of know his, his history and some of the stuff that's gone on with his family, but I really enjoy watching him play, which that's why it's been frustrating is just that he hasn't been able to play consistently for a a while now, but when he's out there generally is very productive. Um, And, you know, from that standpoint, this season, He's also playing the fewest minutes of his career aside from his rookie year. So I think that that's why, again, it's, it's frustrating. And I'm sure even for Clippers fans a little bit, it's probably frustrating on like, when are we going to get to turn this thing loose? Because what what did they say last night? They're 83 and 39 when he and Paul George play together. But the reality is they more often don't play together than they do play together.
2: Yeah, I guess that's a real question. is When do they turn it loose? And I wonder if that ever happens. It reminds me... Do you remember when the Thunder were playing the Sixers a few years ago and it was like there was this big Embiid push going on and that game like ends up going into overtime and Brett Brown plays Embiid past his minutes limit and it's crazy to think about now but you know a lot of people were like this is crazy you got to be careful with this guy and I remember just thinking to myself and this obviously probably defines all kinds of sports science etc but like, yeah, if you can't trust a guy to play 40 minutes in an NBA game, like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, this is, at some point this is required, this is part of the job, like, if you think the difference between 35 minutes and 40 minutes is going to be this guy's career or long-term health, like, I I don't know that that's a feasible career that you can have. And I was happy that they cut him loose a bit. You know, I, I think, again, I'm I'm not a sports scientist. I'm just a guy with the podcast. So, what do I really know? But in general, like, I I just want to see teams cut these guys loose a little bit. And I just wonder if it's ever going to happen with the Clippers. Like, are we ever going to get 30, 40 games in a row with these guys? And, you know, I I understand even sitting out the back to backs. And obviously, you know, Kawhi has missed time with the non-COVID illness this week so the things pop up but yeah I I just really wonder like do you think we'll ever see them cut loose do you do you do you even think about that anymore or have you just accepted oh no unless it's the playoffs we're probably never seeing that was gonna be my answer yeah
3: that was gonna be my answer is I think the best the the most likely thing is that you see them playing more down the stretch of the season to try to hit a rhythm which they would probably need to do based on some of the concerns we're talking about um you know we we, we talked i don't know if you remember we talked briefly about them i think it was in november because they i remember hit, uh, every
2: conversation i've ever had with you chris all right bro Damn.
3: uh <laughs> <laughs> no i'm messing with you uh yeah when, when, when we talked about them uh it was under the the prism of Wait a minute. So this started as like, okay, cool. I can't play back-to-backs. And it started as like, oh, a, a, we're going to give him an extra day. And then all of a sudden it turned into, mm-hmm. was it uh, three, four, five, like something like, it looks like it was like 12 or 13 games. And this was a week and a half into the season that, you know, that he'd started sitting out. And so it's kind of like, what are we talking about when a day-to-day thing with someone that just took off a whole season, um, you know, like, what are we talking about at some point? And when, I, I think it was a similar sort of question that you had then. I, I don't know. I understand that you have to be more cautious with them. Um, and I also kind of trust, like I, I, I was saying before, I'm a little bit jaded by the Derrick Rose stuff of uh when he was here in Chicago and the way that people ragged on him when he wasn't playing, when he'd been cleared mm. to play. And you know, he'd had the one major injury at that point. Um, he sat out after he was cleared, including a playoff series, which I think was no different than essentially what happened with like Jamal Murray last year, just didn't get as much attention. Um I you know, I don't think that these guys don't want to play. <laughs> like it's Kawhi Leonard who's won two finals MVPs. Mm-hmm. Uh you know clearly at, at times has been at least a top 3 player in this league uh if not the best and i know that there was a time and i think this tends to happen i think more or less people always kind of take the player that just lifted his team to a finals run and a finals win they always find a way to include that person in the conversation whether it's Steph right now or Kawhi (laughs) after he won the Raptors title uh I think people kind of do that or find a way into that conversation but Kawhi was in that conversation I don't think he's like all of a sudden lost a competitive fire like whether he's emotive or not he clearly wants to be out there so if for whatever reason he's not after he's been cleared to me what that shouts screams is like this guy doesn't feel like his, he doesn't trust his body right now and stuff i would imagine has to be pretty bad for someone to not trust their body at that point in their career um when they've accomplished that much and rose had done stuff, stuff similar to that and then when he did come back he hurt himself like 10 games 12 games in so i i trust these mvp caliber guys to know their bodies better than we do as fans uh, better than maybe even the team doctors to some extent about what they trust or what they don't trust or maybe if their body is still compromised on some level. Um, so I, you know, I I'm trusting the Clippers doctors. I'm trusting Kawhi to kind of know where he's at enough uh, for him to be able to make one healthy run, um, even if it's just a playoff run along with Paul George. Maybe I'm just, you know, hoping that that will be the case, but I do trust at some point they will have that. I would hope that they can run this back until they get an opportunity to do that. And they have had one playoff run together where they just kind of blew it. Let's be honest too. Um, And I want to say that, you know, last night was one of the poorest performances I've seen between the two of them. It was apparently the first time neither one of them had scored 10 points um, in a, in a game together. Um, But again, they were cut short, so I think that part was interesting, too, is that maybe that signals Kawhi wants to be out there more. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me that he would want to be out there more. But maybe that's a sign that, like, look, I'm going to throw a little bit of caution to the wind and play longer minutes, play more games, even if I'm not feeling great all the time. Because we we need to kind of we're we're, we're not progressing as a team if I don't play. More. Sure. And maybe that's a realization that he's come to as well.
2: You know, yeah, on one hand, it's impressive where this team is given all the injuries, but they have now lost four games in a row. Again, like the injuries have been its obvious issue here. 21 and 19.
4: So we'll keep an eye on the Clippers. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this
4: board. This is...
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I want to touch real quick on the Pelicans because you wrote about them in your newsletter this week. Sign Williamson. <laughs> Bro, I-, I talked about this with Mike, uh, he who shall not be named during the finals, but sometimes my family members are just trying to get their takes off with me, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and like they don't they don't care what I have to say, they just wanna get their takes off. So my brother hits me up a couple weeks ago and he's like, Do you think one day we're gonna look at Zion and Ja like Odin and Durant? Mm. And I'm like, Well, first of all, Zion's already had a way better career than Greg Odin <laughs> has. Like, um and Zion, unlike Odin, proved he could be a dominant player in the NBA when healthy. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, Zion has a hamstring injury. He's going to be reevaluated in a few weeks. I don't know that anyone's panicked about the hamstring injury necessarily. I think as long as he avoids knee stuff, foot stuff, he's going to be fine. I mean...
3: He's had some foot stuff,
2: though. He has. He has. But, you know, this year he's been in good shape and has been playing really well when on the floor. Mm -hmm. So when... You know, he texts me this Zion jaw take, and I'm like, Lino, let's let it play out. You know, obviously, jaw's been fantastic. I think Zion is really good and is going to have a good career, and it seems to be learning his body. And I I think he has a chance to move past these injuries. Joel, we've seen it with Joel Embiid. I think we can see it with Zion.
3: With Steph? Yeah, we've seen it. And and, and Embiid, obviously, is a bigger player. So I know what you mean with that comparison. Yeah.
2: So, Mm -hmm. you know then in a the couple weeks my brother's like I'm all in on the pelicans this team's awesome I'm like yeah dude
3: they're sick so so he he was the same one you're saying he's kind of talking out both sides of his mouth depending on the outcome
2: and then the zion news comes in he just texts me <laughs> zion dot 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 <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like dude no what do you want me to say i don't think anyone's worried he's mm-hmm. like he's injury prone and i'm like it just the takes the takery but yeah uh he is going to miss the next few weeks. Brandon Ingram, we talk about uh, Zion missing time. Brandon Hasn't Ingram played
3: since late November, man.
2: has has barely played this season, has been a figment of our imaginations. They are currently 24-14, one game out of first place in the West. They're in third place. Denver and Memphis are tied for first. The Pelicans have played 21 home games, 17 away games, something to keep an eye on, one game out. You wrote about this, Chris. So I'll give you the floor a little bit. Uh, you mentioned their depth in that story. The depth is going to be tested. Can, the, can you think they can weather the storm here?
3: I do. I mean, I think uh, for starters, they're they're six and two without Zion. They're five and one without Zion or Ingram, hmm. which is impressive. Crazy considering yeah. that those are their top two scorers. And granted, you have C.J. McCollum. It's a, it's a team that's built well. Um, it's a team that has played enough without Zion Williamson over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and quite frankly, Ingram misses time here and there too, even before this season. Uh, and it's a team that, that plays defense and is pretty committed to playing defense regardless of who's out there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that they actually have the potential to, to be okay for a few weeks. Um, You know, just I think they have enough guys. They're so deep as a team that they've got guys that don't get to play that are pretty decent too. And Mm -hmm. so you get to plug them in; they get run. I think Willie Green is a good coach. Uh, So I, their schedule is not particularly tough. Um, It's kind of a mixed bag for the next three weeks that Zion is supposed to miss. But they basically got the third easiest remaining schedule in the West. Um, I think the only two teams that were ahead of them were Memphis and Sacramento. So. I, you know, I I also think it's a good opportunity to kind of test out certain things with some of the length they have, uh, some of the guys that haven't gotten as much time, some of the types of lineups they've played. They can kind of experiment with different things now. Um, I'm not worried about them right now. I mean, maybe I should be. You laid out the good point, and I laid out in the story that Yes, they're 6-2 and two without Zion, but seven of those eight games have been at home. And so at some mm. point, that tide is going to shift. Um, so maybe they'll struggle a little bit more. I also was very wrong when it came to projecting what I thought would happen with the Warriors while Steph was out. And now they're on, well, How at least about until, that, they, huh? until they lost on a crazy last second shot <laughs> by Sadiq Bay, they were on a five-game win streak without Steph, even with all the question marks they've had about their their bench and the the supporting cast. So, I mean, you never you never know is what it comes down to. But even if, uh, let's be honest, even if the Pelicans were to struggle for the next couple of weeks, I'm not, as long as they get Zion back, as long as they get Ingram back at some point, I'm not worried about the overarching, you know, like, like, are they going to make a playoffs? Yes, they're going to be in the postseason. They're going to be in that in some shape, way, shape, or form. Um, and even with that, I mean, because they've kind of hovered around the the top spot in the West. Um, I'm not overly concerned about who they play either in the first round because I just kind of feel like whoever they play is not going to want to play them uh, in terms of how physical they are. As far as I mean, the Pelicans at one point were the only team that was in the top five in both offense and defense, but mm-hmm. they're still in the top 10. Um, they have spacing and shooting, they've got, you know, one of the best rebounders in the world on the offensive glass. Zion is you know, maybe the most physical player in the league or at least the most feared maybe in some ways in terms of once he gets ahead of his team, i put him right up there with Giannis. Um, you've got Ingram. Again, you've got McCollum. Uh, it, it, it's a team that's well-coached. It's a team that's athletic. I don't want any part of them. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned as long as they can, you know, get healthy enough. And, and again, similar to the PG-Kawhi um, conversation, as long as their two top guys get an opportunity to play enough off of each other mm-hmm. and, and, and gel as teammates and as, as top scorers. Um that's a team that I'm definitely not worried about. If anything, I'm actually worried about who's going to play them because, you know, how do you attack a team like that and, and um are you athletic enough to hang with them?
2: That's very interesting. Yeah. I think we both kind of first of all, I think we both assumed the Warriors were going to go into the tank <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Not literally tanking, but we're going to have a tough time. So shout out to them. I do think you lay out some interesting points. They do have some more combinations to play, which is interesting. I you probably saw me looking at my phone. I was looking at some of their lineup stats. Like their bench lineup has been fantastic. Yeah, you know, obviously that lineup is going against typically other bench units, but it, they've been really good there. We love Alvarado. It's crazy how that you know they made that big Devonte Graham signing a couple years ago yeah and, he know, barely plays him. he barely plays but i think he's dyson had some daniels so- shout out yeah dyson daniels has been really solid um the pelicans have had one lineup that's played 10 games this season
3: isn't that crazy it's they've only and had one
2: lineup that's played over 100 minutes and they're one game out of first
3: they're right there i mean it's it, it's there's a lot of reason to be really excited about them, and I think there's a lot of reason, obviously, to be excited about Memphis, who just recently you know, started to get all their guys back, too. Um, Memphis has taken the step already that I think New Orleans would love to take this year. Maybe they'd like to go even further and kind of fashion themselves as finals contenders, but um, there's really no reason that the Pelicans can't be what Memphis was last year, um hmm. as far as well, you know, yeah, I, I would say the same thing. And I, I kinda laid that out when I um I built my newsletter around them a couple weeks ago and the idea that um lately in the last couple of years between the Suns and the the bubble and the the eight and no run that they they went on in the bubble, despite not even, you know, quite making the playoffs with that run. Um, that they do that, they get Chris Paul and then they make the finals. And then uh with Memphis, they knock out Golden State in the play in game. They lose in what was it, five six to the the top seeded Jazz mm-hmm. in their first playoff run. Then they make a run to the conference um the conference semifinals last year. Um but you know looked like they had a more than a punchers chance. Like they they could not stop John Morant the Warriors couldn't stop John Morant. Um they, you know, I think pretty uh admirably fight to go six games with the team that wins the title and Mm -hmm. very clearly look like a team that could make the conference finals, if not the finals this year. Now you look at it and quite frankly, the Pelicans had kind of the surprise run last year where they Mm -hmm. started one and 12. Uh, They come all the way back all without Zion, by the way, Uh, they go get CJ McCollum. They, they piece together a hell of a season. Willie green is a fantastic looking coach at that point uh because of what he's pulled them out of and they really fight tooth and nail with the top seed that won the you know the the league and the regular season by like what 8 9 games whatever it was mm-hmm. 64 win team um and it takes chris paul shooting like 8 million of 8 million to beat them uh so if this is their leap now not only just because they had kind of matured as a team and gelled as a team but also they get zion back everybody else has one more year of seasoning I could see it. I could absolutely see it with this New Orleans team. Um, Again, if anything, I'm not worried for them. I'm worried for who would have to draw them in a first-round series or what have you.
2: They're going to be fascinating to watch in the playoffs. Shout-out to Willie Green, who should be in the Coach of the Year discussion. No question about it. One last note about the Suns. You mentioned won the league by eight, nine games last year.
3: Not going to do that this year.
2: The Suns have already lost more games this season than they did all of last season. Wow, wow! They went sixty-four and eighteen. They're currently twenty and nineteen.
3: So, wow,
2: yeah, ooh,
3: weird season, man. Can we say something about them though? Like, as I've been thinking about it more, and maybe it's something you know. I know editors probably won't be thrilled if I, you know, I'm talking about this on a pod, but don't make a point to write about it. They they had such good injury luck for like two three years they just mm. did i mean now granted chris paul <clears throat> from time to time it's chris paul you were kind of expecting him to get hurt i mean i remember that first was it the first season that he had in phoenix that i was stunned i was like why is this guy not sitting out games missing mm. games and i think he had done pretty much the same thing when he kept oklahoma city afloat and got them into the the playoffs too um but you just kind of expect chris paul to miss games like he'd had a lot of injuries over the course of his career He's getting older and was able to kind of fend off father time for a little bit. Um, but they consistently had the lineups that played the most. So all the stuff we talk about with the Clippers and the Pelicans, and everybody else, and gelling and getting time to develop a rhythm with your lineups. The Suns had more of that than anybody, as far as their starting five, as start as far as their foursomes and 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 like um Bridges and Booker and 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 Paul and Ayton, they played so many minutes together for years. Um, on some level, it almost should have been like law of averages. If you're able to stay healthy for two years um, with your top guys, because granted, there were other guys, Sharich and um, you know what have you. Uh, I think Kaminsky also got hurt at one point mm-hmm. or somebody. That, that granted, you were going to have your starters you know get banged up at some point and uh it's kind of crazy to think about the whole crowder thing now because one no one's traded for him two the sons have been really banged up at exactly that position between cam johnson uh and you know obviously chris paul booker now is the big one for them uh and Aiton always misses a little bit of time here and there. Normally, uh, so it was bound to happen at some point. Just, I mean, number one, you have one of the oldest point guards in the league. But number two, your team had kind of skated by without major injury to anybody. And and these, granted, you know, with the exception of Cam Johnson, none of these were really major necessarily. Um, but you know, it was it was kind of time for something to happen. You figured that something was going to happen, and now that it has, you're you're seeing the results of it. Um the 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 positive thing here is again no one's really running away with the West yet. It doesn't mean that the Suns aren't going to be a, a, a potential factor in the playoffs. But you know, it, it it does all of a sudden look a little bit different when they're struggling with the same things that most teams struggle with.
2: Yeah, they have had a rough go of it with the injuries, as good as luck as they've maybe had the last couple of years. This is a harsh overcorrection that they've had with Cam Johnson. Sure. It, almost everyone except Michael Bridges, one of the league's best is has missed time. It's uh, poor Monty Williams. I cannot imagine how stressful that job
4: has been for him this year. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority, notified, and Amex Card member benefits at select events—you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
2: I wanted to revisit a hot take I had on this podcast a few weeks ago. Oh, oh boy. That was nuclear at the time. But it turns (laughs) out that I'm uh, an influencer. I'm something of a futurist. Because I sat on this podcast, whisperingly, should (laughs) the Atlanta Hawks build around DeJounte Murray instead of Trae Young? And... They called me a madman. They, you know, they said I was crazy. They said I shouldn't be doing a podcast. They said I shouldn't be speaking into a microphone. Lo and behold, the Atlanta Hawks are 18 and 20. You know, this was one of the teams. We talked about them. We'll also talk about the Wolves probably a tiny bit here. Just we checked in on these teams earlier and kind of the early returns of the big trades they made. In the offseason, and I think a few weeks ago, we were still willing to give them some more time. In that time, you know, these teams have continued to scuffle. The Hawks have had all kinds of stuff happen, but since the last time we talked about them, from uh, Trey Young and Nate McMillan maybe don't get along, to Nate McMillan maybe resigning, to maybe some executives trying to stir up Trey Young trade talk. Um, it's been uninspiring. The fact that the Miami heat lead this division to give you an idea of the kind of team, the Miami heat are, they just lost to the Lakers without LeBron and Anthony Davis on national television. Um, where are you on? Where are you on Trey young these days?
3: Um, man, it's, it's a tough one because even when you feel really, really great about him, uh, meaning like coming off that conference finals run they had. He's a star. I think you could go as far as to call him like a borderline superstar. Call him a superstar if you want to. You're not going to get that much pushback from most people. He's flawed. I mean, even at his best, he's really, really flawed. So when he's not at his best, the, the question then becomes when does he thaw out of this I mean, also the guy's name, the guy's nickname is Ice Trey. So it's weird to talk about thong, but anyway, <laughs> um, you know, how long can you kind of put up with him not playing well? I think maybe even a better question is how much can you put up with him not doing the little things that would help get you over the top? And let's be honest here. And it's a different conversation. I get that because of age, because of playing style, all sorts of stuff. Trey Young, doesn't do a lot of the things that Russell Westbrook doesn't do uh, as far as like things that would help your offense, as Mm. far as screening, as far as moving off the ball um, and moving off the ball as, as opposed to just playing off the ball. And it's the biggest difference that when people, when Trae Young came into the league and people, including Hawks people, high level Hawks people that I talked to, Make the comparison. They're like, oh, man, we we love that we got Trey Young because he fills up our arena before games because people just have to see him warm up the same way that people do with, with Steph. Okay, sure. They both have range from 40. Steph is more accurate, but they both have range from 40. The difference is that Steph makes use of that by moving around constantly in perpetual motion, whereas Trey often stands still if he doesn't have the ball. So that's kind of the problem is that not only does he not defend a soul most of the time, and I understand his frame, and I understand that he's small, but he's also not always or not often giving much effort, which is a problem um, when you're already that small. And so that's problem number one. Problem number two is that he's not really beating you if he doesn't have the ball. He's also not always beating you when he does have the ball because he's shooting like ass this season compared to past ones. So it's kind of like Joker 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 right so far hmm. uh, this season. And, and that's a rough combination when you have another all star caliber point guard that he's playing next to. So it's difficult where, you know, you could make a lot of arguments. You can grin and bear it and just hope that it gets better. You can hope that he's just not seeing eye to eye with his coach and that he plays better or plays harder, Um, which quite frankly, let's keep in mind with all this talk with Nate McMillan, they took off when they brought in Nate McMillan as, as the, you know, when they mm-hmm. um lifted him to the interim job uh, after Lloyd Pierce was let go um, in the middle of a season. So maybe you do get a boost from that and maybe it's a big boost all at once where it was last year or the last time where they made it to the conference finals. But I don't know if I feel totally comfortable with the idea of building around that because I'm, I'm, I frankly have questions about who all you have to have next to him to make it work defensively, especially if you, you know, you have a good player next to him defensively now, who's also a really good ball handler. And it hasn't helped as much as a lot of people thought it would because Trey just doesn't do enough off the ball. Um, So I don't know how I feel about it. Like, are you going to go here with this take, too, as far as uh, you went all the way with it the other day? Like, maybe you should just trade Towns and and get the best return you can for him. Would you do that with Trey? Would you just trade him? Or are you just kind of dipping your toe in the water a little bit with this? Well,
2: so I had lunch uh, earlier this week. Some of our colleagues, old and new, and I made sure to tell Pina how stupid he was for telling you that Trey Young was better than Jimmy Butler on this podcast and uh, we started talking trade trades. And what do you think of Trey for Towns? Mm. I don't know that the I don't think it helps the Wolves as much as it helps the Hawks. But you know, because is the, it the just wolves, a
3: straight up trade? There's not anything else in it.
2: I we'd have to go through the salaries, and I think maybe yeah.
3: uh, Towns got a payday more recently, right? Yeah.
2: You know, here's a wild take. Ignore salaries for a second. Mm-hmm. But let's say the Hawks call the Jazz and we're like, we'll send you Trey Young for Lowry Markkinen. Wouldn't the Jazz say no?
3: Well, you said throw out the salaries for a minute. I mean, based on just that. um, Yeah, probably. I mean, it's. You, again, you've got to construct your team in such a specific way. There's like, there's like four or five guys like that. Mm-hmm. There are. I mean, it's it's not a knock on their talent. Trey is one of them. Uh, I think, to some extent, uh, who else falls in that category? I mean,
2: Jokic is like that, but Jokic is just so much better at making his teammates better. <laughs> and he he
3: he gives he gives effort too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even he's not. There's also numbers that like maybe aren't seen that that help. You could question maybe whether the scheme they play in is the best. Mm-hmm. He's not he's also like seven feet tall. And so even if even if he's maybe not the best all the time, he's not so right. small that you just take advantage of him. He's not so slow that you can just always take advantage yeah. of him. Trey is and, and again, it's not just that, it's effort. And again, it's also that Trey has the ball in his hands so much that it's like when he doesn't it's like you just take it. It's like someone stops. You know how the controller gets unplugged on a video game and someone just stands (laughs) still. That's what he looks like on offense sometimes. So I don't, you know, I understand the idea and people have asked, like is Gobert kind of an impediment sometimes because he's so good at the one thing, but can he really move around enough defensively to make an impact when you play small and different things like that? I think that there's some open question about that. Um, to where maybe most teams wouldn't want to commit what the Timberwolves did, certainly now. Um, but there, look, that might be the biggest hot take of all: is like trade them both, but trade them for each other. Um, it would it it would at least allow you to see like when you don't play these certain types of lineups uh, in Minnesota that that really haven't worked as well as you would have hoped. So far that now you at least have more of a traditional lineup. I know a lot of people in Minnesota would probably not love that deal because frankly, right now, Minnesota has put the ball in Anthony Edwards hands a lot lately and it's been working. Uh, And I think eventually that's something you would have wanted to do anyway, the same way that you've done with LeBron over his career and other star forwards is that you just you know Giannis is that you just put the ball in their hands and, and hope that something good will happen because they're just stars superstars now but anthony edwards i think is hoping to develop into that yeah. so I, you know i i probably wouldn't love that if i was minnesota but uh I you know i'm sure atlanta would listen if you if yeah. you if you floated that i'm sure they would and then figure out the rest later because i don't think trey is easy to build around maybe towns isn't either Um, I saw someone tweet this and is this like a widely thought about thing that that Carl Anthony Towns is like the new version of Kevin Love in Minnesota Um, where he's
2: oh, that's interesting
3: that he's like a big stats guy, um, but doesn't really impact winning on a high enough level uh, unless he's got Jimmy Butler on his team. I had not seen that, but I saw someone tweet about the other day. I was like, I had not thought about that. I, I don't know that I buy it yet. I'd probably I, need to see like another year I kind of found
2: Kevin Love's stats to be a little less empty, and less
3: empty than Towns is. Wow. <sighs> but think about the three-point shooting stuff and the idea that, like, how impactful is this guy defensively? I well, think uh, Towns's potential defensively is so much bigger. Let me and put it this way: I
2: don't, I don't think either of them were empty. I don't think either of them were empty. Neither has had great teams, although now Towns does have Edwards. This Gobert thing certainly was not his idea. Let's dial in on the Hawks real quick. Just give me almost a... Is there even a team that makes sense for Trey Young? And it's crazy that we're having this conversation because obviously he's a talented player. and But like you just go through the list and it's like, who really makes sense for him? Who, who would want him at this point? Because you mentioned it, you need to play a certain way with him because which means he has to have the ball in his hands, which means he doesn't really make sense next to a lot of stars. At the on, But at the same time, that means if you trade for him, you're committing to playing a certain style of basketball. And then that means you have to also cover up for – I'm just like – I don't know what the mm. fit for him is. And, and someone smarter than me, I'm sure – has thought about it and figured it out. And I threw out Towns for Trey just because it's, like, a buzzy and it makes sense and the teams are struggling. But it's also, like, I don't really know who would make sense for him. Like, would Toronto want him? I don't
3: think so. Uh, Well, you could make the argument that Toronto would, but, like, Toronto's not trading their best guy for him or their best guys for Mm -hmm. him. Toronto's got length to maybe play around him, but I – but I also think they kind of thrive on being a little bit of a democracy with that team too, mm-hmm. and I also think that they've got a young player that they like having the ball in his hands a lot, and Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, the, the the team that came to mind that I started thinking about—I don't think that they would do it, but uh, Dallas would be interesting mm. just because I feel like it would be like a new look Houston with Harden and and Paul. But uh, that's, if a, you had- that's a. I don't think I would do it. Again, I don't think they would do it either. I is chiming in saying the
2: Rockets would the Rockets trade for Trey Young.
3: Well, I mean, they do have a team that I don't think there's anybody on the team that's like so clearly a superstar mm-hmm. going to be that like maybe you you take the gamble, you take the chance. Um a team that already doesn't play much defense. Uh I mean, but that doesn't mean you want to be that way forever. Uh, they also made the really hilarious comment on uh, Inside the NBA yesterday of like, uh, you know, like, what is Houston doing or like, why why are they playing like this? And I think mm-hmm. Charles just said, women, Yama, uh, <laughs> you know, which That's is funny. essentially why. And it's like it, it, they kind of do look like they're trying to do that. Shelby's they thrown
2: up- out the Wizards, too. I don't think the Wizards, I think the Wizards would rather tank.
3: You, you, you got to figure out what you're doing with Bradley Beal first, yeah. I think. Also, they, like, I, I think. You know, Shout out like a name that we have not mentioned in a while, unless maybe you've done it on uh, one of the pods I was not, is Porzingis has been yeah, really, really solid lately. Year. He's oh, been really good. Good, good uh, defending
2: the rim, too, and when, when teams have tried to... Shelby also threw out Orlando. Enough. No, the Magic are not... No, we're not, we're they not, have not, enough we're not that touching, they're building ground. We're not touching the Orlando Magic, okay? The, our beautiful... Perfect Orlando magic. We're not touching them now. They, they've
3: been really, even yesterday I was watching yeah. them in that game against Memphis, and it's just, like, they've got, I would say, three guys right now that it's, like, and, and maybe more than that, <laughs> that, like, you look at them and you're like, yo, this team, if they just don't F this up over the next two, three years mm-hmm. with Franz Wagner and obviously Boncero. Bonquero had a 20-point quarter yesterday, and... Mm-hmm uh you know just dunking all over the place on a pretty good defense um uh, you know i i just really like the 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 outskirts of that team right now um if they don't mess it up and i feel like trading for trey especially if you have to use like meaningful pieces to get them would be one of the easy ways to do that um yeah yeah I, where they look I like just... they have a lot of potential defensively too and trey just kind of pokes a big hole in that balloon
2: I'm very interested to see kind of how these next couple of years play out for him because maybe this year ends up being a blip. But I, I was never a believer in their conference finals run, and it's funny because we had all these conversations blow up the Chicago Bulls. Bulls are one game behind Atlanta, and they they lost one of their best players this summer when Lonzo Ball, who maybe can walk upstairs, we don't know.
3: Um, I think he's jumping a little bit now. I think we I read that somewhere, but like so, maybe doing it without pain, but. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: just it's the perceptions of those teams were wildly different even just a couple weeks ago and now they're very close in the standings. I want and to I'm say just... one
3: thing on that too. Like that I I I've as someone that pounds my chest every time I'm right and I I, I think I try to take ownership when I'm wrong too. <laughs> I the Hawks made that conference finals run. I thought that they were the most intriguing team going into that season where they made the finals the conference finals. Run. I never saw that coming that they do that. Um, But I thought they were interesting because they'd spent so much money that offseason. I kept saying um, in podcasts, I think I wrote about it, that they were one of the teams I believed in the least going into last year, coming Mm. off that conference finals run, because so often, I mean, first of all, you had their owner saying, we're not going to pay all these guys. Someone's going to get left in the cold, either through a trade or because we don't pay them as much as they want. And Cam Reddish got dealt. Mm -hmm. you've you've beat the drum about kevin herter in a trade that was essentially just trying to get off his salary so that this wasn't a luxury tax team and it's it's hurt them let's just be honest it's hurt them and uh that combined with the idea that you swung for the fences with a trade that you know i think you got a good player i just don't know like maybe he should theoretically be a great fit with trey um maybe trey is the thing that doesn't fit and maybe it's not murray um But it's a team that has had some real missteps. And all of a sudden now, Travis Schlank steps down. um, And you've got, like you said, it's not a small deal that your coach is reported to want to resign or considering resigning. He never also, by the way, um, answered directly whether he had considered that. From his answer, it actually sounded like he had considered it. (laughs) A little bit. And just was like. We all at the end of every season, we all think about whether we want to come back. It's like this isn't the end of the season, man, so Nate McMillan has often had really good starts to his ten years with teams and and then just kind of fizzled out, and it kind of looks like this might be what that is so uh we'll, we'll we'll see. I'm interested to see what happens but um it's it's not looking great right now um the the best thing you can hope for right now is that Trey Young just plays better offensively and then maybe some of the stuff becomes a little bit less valid
2: and then real quick the wolves is is there anything for them to do i I just don't i don't know that they can move off gobert i i they're in a weird spot it it just is you definitely can't move
3: off him this quickly because like you would never get unless you're just happy with uh like 10 cents on the dollar yeah i'll use the quick analogy um you know, I I love my now fiance, as we talked about earlier. Uh-oh. Um, And if I like when you're going ring shopping and you know, maybe you get cold feet for a moment or maybe you just are like, it's not even cold feet. It's like, is she going to say yes? Which, you know, frankly, if you have a really deep question in your mind about that, you shouldn't probably be buying one. Um, But I'm more interested in like, what's the return policy here? Like, if if I decide I want to push this back, if she says, no, whatever. And they're like, buddy, you're not getting your, like, look, unless there's something wrong, you're not going to get your money back for what <laughs> you're paying for this. It just doesn't work like that in the industry. So then your resale value is extremely low because like a, a car rings, stones to depreciate after you buy them. That's what Rudy Gobert is right now. Nobody's paying for him what you just paid. Um, maybe you can find a straight team or two out there that really needs his skill set. I'm not again, I would have probably have to look to see like which team mm-hmm. that even is. Uh the funny thing is that it it probably would be Utah. <laughs> um, in terms of needing a rim protector because they don't have one. But you're not getting anything near, anywhere near what you paid for them back. So I think because of everything you just laid out, it would probably be a smarter question of like, what could we get for towns to ask mm-hmm. that question? I, I don't think that they're gonna do that. I think it would be too big of a concession that they effed up this deal to begin with and to even make that deal um and everything they mortgaged on that deal but i'm not sure where go bear could go would go um i think it would be more of a question of like where would towns go because all the entire league would be interested in that deal if they had the assets to do it so i you know but i don't know what there is for them to do i i, I think their only real response is like wait for Towns to get back and again hope that stuff gels a little bit better hope that maybe the team learns something valuable while he was out maybe that they can lean on these um these Anthony Edwards guard lineups and you're basically Anthony Edwards running the show sorts of lineups a little bit more and hope that he can be more of a point forward and maybe that helps things enough on its own
2: both those teams are going to be fascinating to watch um I know that I've been Coming at that trade trade stuff in a little bit of a joking manner, and he's obviously a talented player. And I'm very interested to see how it all plays out. Chris, I think that'll do it for today's episode. It's great. I'm looking at the standings. There's so many teams I still want to talk to you about. We got to hit the Knicks at some point soon. We got to talk about the Raptors some point soon.
1: Yeah. Um
2: that's been a fascinating. I mean, we're we're getting into trade season, so I'm sure all kinds of rumors are going to be popping up over the next few weeks we into all star stuff over the next month or so as well so a lot to get to here uh at the start of this year on open floor chris thank you so much for your time until the next episode everyone please continue to enjoy the nba season